1: This is Blue Moon. It's the original fan-made Manchester City podcast. Coming up, we've got news and views from City's Week. It's your club and this is your show.
2: A very hard-fought win against Fulham, followed by midweek progress in the Carabao Cup. It's been a good week for Manchester City, even if that victory on Wednesday night means they've just had another fixture inserted into the schedule about three or four days after the World Cup final. The good news is that means the Blue Moon podcast will be back a week earlier than expected too. Still, you can't have everything though, can you? Uh, Welcome to this week's show, where we'll review what happened over the last two matches. Plus, we'll look ahead to City's final game before the break as Brentford come to the Etihad. Brentford fan Billy Grant from the Besotted podcast will be with us later on to discuss how their season is going so far. I'm David Mooney, and for now, I'm joined by City fan Chris Higginbottom. Hello there again, and the Daily Mail's Jack Gaunt. David, hello. No I was just about to say not too bad, thanks. Because I was yeah, just no, assuming. No, you, no, the question you, no. would be, how I've are you? Ask the question,
3: you <laughs> answer it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's proper journalist uh d- journalist speak not uh, not not my amateur still fear
3: you with your media training on a podcast <laughs> answering a question that hadn't been asked yeah
2: yeah anyway how are you jack
3: <laughs> very well thank you very well how are you
2: not too bad thanks not too there bad we there go we go. There we go. yeah and uh chris good to have you back again this week how are you i'm very well thank you say so chris was going down the line of not answering a question when it yes. asked you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah good start good start all round right let's uh, let's talk about uh, the uh, the two games um we're going to come to to Fulham shortly because that's a little bit of a of a different case i think um jack when it comes to, to city against chelsea um a lot of uh, kind of fringe
3: players and and a few young players involved how do you think they did i thought it was a really good game um the it was just, yeah, it was, I, I thought the, the night was a little bit freer. It was a bit more end-to-end and uh, it's a completely different watch to, to what we've seen in in recent weeks. thought Alvarez was good. It was good to see Phillips get a, get a few minutes, um, sort of trying to play himself into a little bit of form and fitness. yeah you got um, about
2: 40 minutes in the end, didn't you? It was, a good, it was yeah. a good chunk,
3: yeah. We were saying, actually, when, um, when they made the first changes, it's like five minutes after half-time. It's like, why on earth wouldn't you just make that at half-time? If they were coming on at 49 minutes, why don't you just do it at the break?
4: Yeah, I thought that. But I think maybe he was looking to see what the opposition had changed and whether that would fit into his plans, maybe.
3: Yeah. I thought the other, I mean, the other thing about um, Wednesday night was they really wanted to win, didn't they? I and mean, there was quite a lot of chat in the week before that ah, maybe they want to get knocked out because... World Cup final, yeah. Well, because the next round is on the whatever it is, the twenty first, twenty second, or um, just before Christmas, and uh, yeah, do they do they actually want to get knocked out? But it's as you said, there were some fringe players, but it's a really strong team. This is um, the
4: sweet sweet Carabao you're talking about here. This is
3: <laughs> I thought, this yeah, hallowed <laughs> ground. I I thought the the lust had gone for the Carabao after last God, year. No. No, 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 no. It, does, it it make it, does it make you want it more? it yeah. just crank, cranks
4: it up for me. Yeah, it's like, how, <laughs> how dare we not get our hands on it? Let's do our utmost to uh, ensure we get it back.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about this, though, Jack. I did wonder if it's if it's uh, maybe an opportunity for... Um, obviously, we don't know the draw as we record this, um, but it, it might be an opportunity for uh, Guardiola to get some of the players that were knocked out of the World Cup early, a little bit of rhythm ahead of the restart.
3: Yeah, I, yeah, I was discussing this with someone uh, yesterday, and they they raised that because I was like, oh, they won't want anything before Christmas, will they? And they, and, um, they said, well, it's actually not a bad opportunity to to have them together and get a few minutes before uh, before the Premier League starts because they're not playing till the twenty eighth, are they? Yeah, I don't think.
2: Yeah, the Premier League have really, really messed up my podcast schedule over Christmas, which I'm not no, happy they. about. Yeah,
3: again, <laughs> again, nobody ever considers the podcasters. It's uh, so yeah, so maybe it's uh, maybe it is quite a good opportunity for them, Um, particularly if it's not you know if they're not playing Liverpool or United or anyone like that, um, they can actually mess maybe mess about with the team a little bit more, Um, and yeah, that's quite might be quite beneficial, I suppose. Yeah.
2: Um I guess as well Chris. Uh, good for the weekend that uh they they played a fairly strong side but Foden, De Bruyne, Haaland all all stayed on the bench. They can they can go all out for for Brentford and uh, and plenty of good time for for the other players, for players like Mares who needs like Mares needs form and then then he, he sticks a free kick in.
4: Yeah. Um definitely good rotation wise. Mares um I'm pleased obviously pleased that he got the goal cuz It's good to score goals, uh, but like if the goal aside, it didn't seem to. I wanted him to do well and kick on and look a bit more keen than he has recently because he's just looked a bit lackluster. Um, Pep said a couple of weeks ago that he didn't think he was fit enough or strong enough, um, and that's like supposed to be a kick up the arse, isn't it? Like, he's supposed to really.
2: You should respond to that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah,
4: that's the word. Thank you. And I didn't really <laughs> feel that he had been doing so, but is a set piece that, you know, he's got he's got it in him to do that. I just hope that rather than that allowing him to just say, well, I've scored a great goal and I told you I was good and rest on his laurels. I don't know, it could go one of uh, two ways that was with Marez. I still need to see a bit more from him personally. Uh, I know he's, uh, because he's brilliant, because I know he's he can be brilliant, is why I've not been satisfied with his uh, recent performances. And the goal aside last night, I didn't really think he did too much else. I know it's a terrible thing to say, did nothing but score. Um, But do you know what I mean? (laughs) It just like, it was a set piece. It went in and it provided the platform for us to have a more controlling influence on the game and, um, and dominate more. But, there was a one-on-one where again I just thought he's not going to do it. Here. I don't know. Maybe I'm being harsh on him. What do, what do you think? That the
3: the, uh, the question marks about the wall for the goal as well. I thought. Oh my god! Yeah, Koulibaly, What was he doing? Yeah, I'll, we, I'll I'll just stand here, and if it hits me, then great. Even at an amateur
4: level, if you're in a wall, you know you you look at your fellow uh, bricks and you say, <laughs> "Are we ju- are we jumping here, lads?" Or you know, you tend to have an idea. Of who's you know where they what they're likely to do. So I mean, sometimes you'll even have someone doing the uh, the draft excluder thing, so you know that you're not going to jump. But there should be a consensus there amongst the, the people in the world if you all ju- you know if you're all jumping or you're all not. It's not like what we're going to do. Well, we're going to jump. You just look really absent minded and look like you're forgetting to jump, and that'll put them off a bit. I mean, it's just so so weird.
3: I think the thing I think I think the thing with Mares is that he's really tried to play him into form, hasn't he? I think he's started four of the last six games. Like he has given him every opportunity. Mm. Too much and, rope perhaps. Well, maybe. Yeah. Is, um,
2: that, is that, Jack, why Foden's not been starting lately, do you think?
3: Yeah, I think, um, I think that's definitely a, a factor in it. Um, there's been quite a lot of talk about Foden the last few weeks and he's, he's not, Pep's been asked about it at least twice and hasn't really offered anything up. He just said, well, sometimes Bernardo's on the bench, sometimes De Bruyne's on the bench, sometimes Mario's is on the bench, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was just looking at the fixtures he missed, and they're not massive games, are they? It's like Brighton, Leicester, Fulham. It's a long season. He probably knows he's going to play the majority of the games at the World Cup. He's going to be one of the biggest players in March, April, May, when they're going for however many trophies. So maybe there is a, an element of managing him.
2: Yeah, don't read on him, the
3: no. on the flip side. You know, it's got naughty boy vibes
4: too, it, hasn't it? Some, I mean, you got yeah, something against you know, United, and then you're not in.
3: Yeah, so there, there, sort of, there could have been something that had uh, had happened. Maybe I don't know because he was he was quite he's been quite curt when he's been asked about it. But then I wonder whether that's just him going. What's my decision. I don't understand why you're asking me that question. Yeah,
2: quit asking me stuff. You're always doing yeah. this. Stop it! Stop <laughs> it! Yeah.
3: Uh,
2: Stefan Ortega, Jack got man of the match in the stadium. Uh, man of the match in the um, on Sky was given to uh, Jack Grealish. We'll
3: come to him a bit Quite later on. Too. Um,
2: but uh, but just on Ortega, what did you think?
3: Yeah, good. Um, good shot stopper. Uh, probably one you would. You would want him to take command of his area probably a little bit more, I think. Um, But he's significantly better than I thought he was going to be after watching him in pre-season. I think the the first game was against Club America uh, in Houston. I think he played that game. It was either that or the buying game. I can't remember. One of them he played. And uh, I was thinking, oh, God, I'm not sure. Um, there There was a moment where... you two probably won't remember this, but Edison's first game for City was against United in America uh, on pre-season, and he made a massive mistake. And everyone was like looking around at each other going, oh my God, have they just bought Bravo again? Like (laughs) the new foundation of Claudio Bravo. Um, And Ortega had a similar moment to that uh, on tour. And I was thinking, is this sort of another Zach Steffen? Um, But, you know, the the competitive games he's played in the last few weeks, he's been pretty much flawless I think he's Mm. really really encouraging and I find that role fascinating in a way that someone like Ortega that has done so well in the Bundesliga and uh, won awards and things like that is content with being a number two at a big club
4: I don't think he is I don't think he will be I think he's there to I know it's all you know you've got to come out with that bluster at you when you're introduced and stuff but I think he's come here to, if he doesn't displace Edison, then he'll be in pole position if he plays the way he's playing at the moment to go to another premiership club. Um, If he wants a career in England, he's certainly going about it the right way. He had loads to do last night and did it all brilliantly, I thought. Too much to do. He did have a lot to do, didn't he? Yeah. But he did it all, you know, superbly. Yeah.
2: um another game for for rico Lewis as well chris um he's he's looking promising for a seventeen year old being thrown into a, a superstar team
4: yeah his confidence is ridiculous um which can be dangerous but I'd rather someone was very confident and you know had the ability to back it up than um be competent and not confident oh, I was slightly waffling there but he yeah he look he looks very good on the ball um The thing is with our full-backs, they don't have to do a massive amount of defending, do they? So, seeing him under severe pressure and how he copes in certain situations where you're really depending on him kind of remains to be seen. There was a couple of moments last night, uh, well, I can only think of one actually off the top of my head, but where he tried to dribble the ball out of the box and I was thinking, okay, confidence is great, but... You know what I mean? Lay don't, that off or just don't, get rid Don't of go it. mad, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, impressive. Uh, that's the biggest thing I'm getting from him is how confident he is. Uh, he's not phased at all. Slots into the system well, slots into the team well in terms of he's very verbal and, you know, communicative. Um, all good things so far. Obviously, there's a long way to go and uh, it'll be fun to, to watch him.
2: Let's let's pivot kind of uh, slowly into the Fulham game, uh, Jack, by talking about Julian Alvarez because uh, again on Wednesday night another another impressive performance uh, got himself on the score sheet again. He's settling in really nicely, isn't
3: he? Yeah, it really, like sort of hitting his stride the last few weeks. Um, I thought it was noticeable uh, Copenhagen away the before this ending off they were really struggling to find him and he was kind of making make, constantly making these runs in behind but it was just too tight and i was looking at it going oh god i don't know how this i don't know how this works with him yeah. playing through the middle i don't i d- couldn't really see it um but since then when he's played i've noticed that he's been peeling off a little bit more and coming a little bit wider and sort of attacking the goal from an angle rather than playing right through the middle which is obviously the way they they've played uh, last season and uh, effectively the season before that when Aguero, Aguero wasn't fit with whoever was playing up there. Um, and he's he's just got an eye for goal, which everyone knew about because they'd watched countless YouTube clips of him from uh, uh, from Argentina. Um, and he's busy and he's got that work rate that, that Pep wants, the sort of work rate that Jesus has, but he's got that extra instinct in the box. So if you look at it, if you take Haaland out of it, Alvarez is an upgrade on on the guy that they that they sold in yeah. in my view. Um, and it'd be interesting to see whether you know they go four four two more often or four two four and play Haaland and Alvarez up together, the, the two of them, and get Alvarez just buzzing around him and seeing what he can do. Yeah. He uh the, the Fulham finish especially,
2: Chris. Um I mean there, there's something to be said, isn't there, when you when you get a striker who gets in the box and goes, I am just gonna welly this. Oh love, love, love him.
4: I, I can't overemphasise how much I uh, rate him. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Just when he starts scurrying my heart just my heart rate goes up. It's just like I just love to see him on the pitch. Uh yeah, that Fulham goal just like you say, absolutely leathered it off off the bar as well. Just what he brings to the team just you can't underestimate it like that pass last night um, out to Marez, which um, led to Marez missing a one-on-one which Alvarez Alv- it's Alvarez isn't it I keep calling him Alvarez I think Alvarez sounds better in a Mank accent um, sorry, <laughs> I am just, I was don't just know. about to
3: say that you, you just
4: it sounded really good that <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Alvarez because uh, <laughs> <laughs> But it's a bit like Pizarro. Um, but anyway, yeah, th- he, that pass that he spread out to Marez was absolutely inch perfect. And not only that, but he had the good foresight to realise that Marez wasn't going uh, <laughs> to b- bury the one-on-one and treat it as a one-two, which he made up about 80 yards to get an end of the parry from the keeper.
3: So but that's the thing, I, That is the difference of what I sort of talking about with Jesus, is that I don't think Jesus follows that in. I don't know if Jesus makes the pass, to be honest, but,
4: yeah, definitely an upgrade. And I love um, Gabby J. I thought he was fantastic. Again, uh, suffered in comparisons with Aguero. We've discussed that previously. Anyone's going to suffer in uh, in comparison to someone of that stature and quality? Well, most people. And um, we get a similar issue with Alvarez against uh, (laughs) Haaland, is it? And... um, (laughs) But he's, he's really, really, really coping well with it. I mean, he's what? Is it a goal a game, something like that at the moment? I, his, uh, I don't know. Where's I know, I, City when you need
2: him? Yeah, I know he's scored in, in every competition that he's played in this season. Uh, well, I mean, that wasn't the question,
3: was it? But no, it wasn't.
2: But I, again, I'm just answering questions that haven't been asked. So. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm asking questions that I'm, I'm not knowing answers, whether...
3: Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I saw a tweet earlier where it was like a goal and assist and an, or an assist every 98 minutes. She's not bad going. Yeah, yeah. not bad at all do for now.
1: You see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players, and you want to know that exact thing about City? There's an answer. Statscity.co.uk. Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero or Vincent Company? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium and under every manager. Just go to statcity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk You can listen to the show ad-free by joining our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.
2: Let's talk about the turning point of that Fulham game then, the uh, the penalty and red card. Um, Jack, when, when Cancelo did it, um, I was sat in my seat and I was thinking he's going to be lucky if he stays on here. Um, lo and behold, he didn't stay on. Uh, I've heard people say that they think it's harsh for what he did. Um, I'm not hmm. convinced.
3: Yeah, I... I, I I do think it's weird that if he'd taken him out from behind and taken his legs from under him, but made a vague sort of movement towards the ball, then he doesn't get sent off. And he does get sent off for just shoving him over with his shoulder. That you know, just feels... something Something's not right there, yeah.
4: I think sometimes it feels like they introduce these vagaries just so they can like make another rule change next time but otherwise you know there's nothing doing in the rule change department and someone has to okay. go got to be and seen to be doing yeah, yeah yeah it's just like okay we'll change that one next time what can we throw in that's going to be a bit weird and a discussion point at next year's penalty box rule AGM I don't know it's a ridiculous rule but yeah I thought it was quite clever from the defender actually cuz although there wasn't much time there isn't much time in those situations to think. Having watched the incident over and over a few times, he does roll his sho- his right shoulder in, and in anticipation of an incoming challenge. And once he's moved his shoulder out of the way, it's no longer shoulder to shoulder. It's into his back, and you can only really give a penalty there. Yeah, mm. but I uh, thought it was clever play. From, I mean, it was uh, stupid. The, the, the it doctor.
3: was a stu- stupid challenge, mm-hmm. um, and it was Pep was quite upset about it. Um, I'd like. to him a right
2: talking to, didn't he?
3: Well, I tweeted at the time that he was he was berating him, and he was berating him because he was turning around and going, "Why on earth have you done that?" He's like pointing towards the penalty area, going, "Like just let him." And then later on in his presser, he said, "Just you know, as sixty minutes left, just let him score or trust Edison's going to make the save." So. T-
2: it's quite so, damning, actually, that he says to let them score and not make, let Edison make the save. Well, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the sort of Edison bit was an afterthought, which is quite
4: funny. Um, Can I just ask, sorry to interject, but I don't know if you noticed this when you were watching him berate Cancelo Jack, but what was Cancelo's reaction to that? Was he going, yes, yes, boss, sorry, boss, or was he saying,
3: "No, he's you on about? Back. Right, okay. Um, and then I'm pretty sure I think one of the I think someone from the bench had to go at Cancelo as well because he sort of, sort of gestured towards them anyway I'd sort of tweeted this on Saturday having watched this all with my own eyes behind the bench and had reams of people going why are you lying we've just seen a clip and he's and he's, uh, he's got his arm consoling around him, and, yeah. him and whatever it's like I've, I've you might have seen a two second clip where it might look like he's consoling mm. I've just watched him Berate him. And Cancelo's then watched the penalty, kicked the tunnel and bolted down the, towards the dressing room. No one's happy. Like I just find it amazing that you say anything vaguely negative about the team and it's like, wow, yeah. you're talking absolute nonsense.
4: I think it's a combination of like blue-tinted specs and a post-truth. Fake news era that we live yeah, in. I suppose so.
3: Yeah, journalists I don't, it, speak equals bad. It made me think. Was like, have I like not seen that properly? Despite having watched it happen, <laughs> you for like you, what you've seen yeah. with your own
4: eyes at that point. That that looks like there was kind of zero contrition from Cancelo whatsoever, and then there's not really much to be taken in terms of admission of of wrongdoing in these strange little. um Inspirational quotes, they kind of yeah, that's been interesting. Hasn't it? Hangs hangs out for people to uh, ponder at. I don't really. It's like just say, I've cocked up there. Sorry about that. It's not the first time this fortnight. Um, <laughs> I'll try and cut that out rather than you know the, the longest journey begins with the first. It's like yeah, well, well, whatever, mate. Just just fess up, and then we can know that you've realised that you've. Made
2: an error and we can we can all move on hopefully. But when yeah, you went really soft there, all, all I thought was uh, I could listen to you narrate nature documentaries. I'd love to do that if you if you know anyone. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm afraid. But you know, we'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll put a few calls and enjoy the World Cup. See if I can yeah, yeah. If you don't mind,
4: I'm, yeah. I'm not, you know, not going to be too busy during that period. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's Giao Cansello gracefully <laughs> yeah. barging someone over, emerging from the tunnel.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yes, right. Well, uh, let's try and get some semblance of sense back into the show. Uh, The performance against Fulham after that red card was very impressive, though. We'll talk about that shortly. Uh, But first, we're going to take a look at how City have developed when coping with red cards under Guardiola. I've been back through all the dismissals of the last six and a bit seasons to see what the team does when they're a player down. The player that has the honour of receiving the first red card of the Pep Guardiola era was Nolito, remember him. His headbutt in stoppage time of the 4-0 win over Bournemouth in 2016 earned him an early shower, but only by a few minutes. The first player given their marching orders early enough to affect the game, though, was Claudio Bravo. With the score at 1-0 against Barcelona, his slack pass presented the ball to Luis Suarez, and he compounded his error with an intentional handball outside the box. And then all hell broke loose. It went from 1-0 to 4-0. Guardiola spoke after the match.
5: Well, it was difficult to play against Barcelona with 11 players, with 10 the game was over. Uh, until now, until in that moment, the game was open. We know Barcelona, for them strikers, when they arrive, they punish you, uh, because they have a lot of quality. In the weeks that
2: followed, City players received red cards like they were going out of fashion. Fernandinho went against Borussia Mönchengladbach before he and Sergio Aguero lost their heads against Chelsea very late on. And then, on New Year's Day, Fernandinho again went for an early bath. The score was 0-0 with Burnley when he was dismissed just after the half hour, and City still managed to win 2-1. This was the game that led to Guardiola's famous Happy New Year interview with the BBC. But in the post-match press conference, he was just as touchy.
5: After a game in Anfield two days ago, so 10 men's uh, 60 minutes, we're resilient. Any complaints about the red card? Referee, as to as to him, not me. That was the seventh seventh red
4: card of, of the season yeah, for With for
5: the team your... with more ball possession. Yeah, but I mean, do, yeah, you, yeah, yeah.
4: Do, you, do you feel there's a discipline problem with the players or not? Or do you think it's it a free...
5: We had a lot of discipline and problems, so now we expect what the FA decide.
4: But, but do you feel the need to talk to your players and remind them of of, of the need to, to keep
5: their discipline in, in-game? We try to play football, don't forget about it. My team's always in my career Try to play football.
2: There were no more red cards in Guardiola's first season. Just two games into his second term though, a new signing Kyle Walker was sent off moments before half-time in a draw with Everton. There was controversy over this one. Dominic Calvert-Lewin went down holding his face, but the City fullback didn't make any contact. He didn't even raise an arm. Either way, he was shown a second yellow, and City had to come from 1-0 down with 10 men to earn a point.
5: We made absolutely everything to win with 11, with 10, 65, 70 minutes by 60 minutes with 10 against 11, when Everton, Europa League team, top quality players, I prefer to win the games. we are on the table, but there's nothing to say. I don't have regrets, so we create chances again.
3: Can I ask you what you, you made of the sending off of Carl Walker? Did yeah. you think the second second you, you yellow card? Not
5: asking. <laughs> Gone. Next you, question. You please. couldn't give a view. I'm not going to talk with the referees, please. Okay. Could you? So clear. So I don't want to talk with the referees.
2: So, out of two of the three early red cards we've talked about so far, City have gone from a drawing position to win the game in one, and from a losing position to draw in the other.
5: Not a bad record, but then they ran into Wigan. I felt at the time it was a straight red. I don't think Pep and his bench thought it was. You know, there's obviously a disagreement there, but that's football, we're never going to agree. You know, from my point of view, I'd stand by what I originally thought, I'm sure, with hindsight and watching again, everyone will have an opinion. And it's had a massive contributing factor in the game. You know, for us, it's given us a massive lift. Because with 11 men, eventually they do open it up and they do score goals. But the referee's deemed it's a red card. That's what it is. And You know, you take it and move on.
2: That's the Wigan boss of the time, Paul Cook. He's talking about a tackle by Fabian Delft just before half-time. There was a bust-up between the benches after it had initially seemed that the referee was going to give a booking. But after taking out his yellow card on his way over to the incident, Anthony Taylor put it back and showed a red.
5: The referee decide what he decides, so I'm not here to judge.
2: Definitely a red card for you.
5: He's red card, yeah.
4: But there was a big discussion going on between you and Paul Cook. What what was being said at the
5: time? No, nothing. Stay in his position. That's all. And in the
2: tunnel afterwards as well?
5: Guys, you want to ask me about football or about football? Nothing happened in the tunnel, nothing happened with my colleague, nothing.
2: City lost that one in the second half. It was then about 18 months before they had a player dismissed before the hour mark in another game. There had been some reds in the meantime, most were in the final 10 minutes of games, and none of those changed the outcome. The outlier was Nicolas Otamendi's dismissal against Schalke. City were 2-1 down in Germany when the defender was given his marching orders on 68 minutes, and two late away goals made it 3-2. One of the most memorable 10 men games, though, came just after Christmas in 2019. City went to Wolves, and with the score at nil-nil, Edison was sent off
5: inside 12 minutes. 12 minutes, 10 against 11. Uh, we we took advantage even in that situation. We could not defend it. So the players were incredible defending, and normally they are not built. We are not built for that, but we we changed a little bit the setup and. And at the end, unfortunately, we conceded to watch.
2: That's the first time after an early red card that Guardiola has talked about his setup while a man down. City really changed how they played at Molyneux. It was unlike them, but they seeded the initiative and tried to cut out the spaces like visiting teams often try at the Etihad. In fairness, those tactics got City a 2-0 lead, but they couldn't see it out and they lost 3-2. And when Alexander Zinchenko was sent off at Spurs
5: on the hour mark a few weeks later, Guardiola spoke about it again. That was a pity, you know, this short time, the first shoot on target they did, you know, scored a goal with 10 against 11. After one 0 0 we create more chances than them. But we were still there, sometimes it happened. it was an action, and this team is built for for you know to do something and play in a certain way and of course, ten against eleven after miss what do we might miss in this game, you know the chances, the penalties, and the post and uh and after that it's not easy even for the players, but still, I think we were there we were there it's not easy so you know, defend well, strong, and you know, always the counterattack we saw. Lucas Moura and the players are dangerous. City
2: were well on their way to regaining the title. The next time a player was sent off in the first half, John Stones was dismissed after a VAR check on a challenge he made at Aston Villa. City were leading 2-1 at the time, and it would finish 2-1 as well. But the outcome might have been different had Villa's Matty Cash not also been sent off 10 minutes into the second half. When Joao Cancelo was shown red after 10 minutes at Brighton a few weeks later, however, the game did change. It was 1-0 to City at the time, and they did make it 2-0 in the second half. But, like Wolves in 2019, the home side came back to win 3-2. The
5: game was uh, tough. 11 against 11 against Brighton is a fantastic team, so it's difficult to face them. And uh, with the 10 it's more difficult, unfortunately, after 0-2. We defend well the first half, we didn't concede much, in the second half after 0-2 unfortunately we conceded a goal so quick and after they push a lot, we were more tired, we could not keep the ball as much as possible, uh, we wanted but we, 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 we could not do it.
2: Keeping the ball was less of a problem the next time it happened though, City had a lot of possession at the Etihad against Crystal Palace last season, but creating chances was hard with how the away side cut out the spaces. It was made even harder when they took the lead and had something to hang on to. So
5: when Eric Laporte was sent off just before half-time, it was a real uphill struggle. We have to arrive more in the final third with more situations. But you know, the players take a decision with 1-0, they want to score a goal a little bit quicker and do it a little bit, uh, you know, with a little bit anxious. That No, they want to do it well. Unfortunately, today, after 1-0, we create... Not much because it's difficult. So 10 players there, you have to be precise, you have to be... Good in in that position, unfortunately we could
2: not do it. And that brings us to Fulham last Saturday. City were exactly what Guardiola wanted after going down to 10 men. They were precise. They were patient. They kept arriving in the final third at the right time, in the right tempo. They took risks, but they were calculated risks. Calculated risks that would end up paying off.
5: I think Bernardo, Gundogan, Manu, all the people in the middle, they are so intuitive how hard to go in several positions, and when we are not able to take it, drop a little bit and wait, and when you feel it, then you feel it go. This can happen because we have a long positions, we cannot attack so quick uh, to make. With patience, pay in, and wait the moment, when set pieces, one action, like in the first half, we had two or three with 10 against 11, the last 15 minutes, so clear. And wait the, wait the moment, wait the moment, and we're patient, try to consider goal, of course the last minute they, they had some counter-attacks, but uh, the, you see the bag was from John, like he's not full by how he played today, amazing, and Bernardo and Rodri and, and everyone. The
2: display against Fulham cannot be underestimated. It may have been a late penalty that won it, but even if it had ended in a stalemate, it should be acknowledged just how well City had played. Here's the Fulham boss,
5: Marco Silva. We knew that on the ball will not make big difference to them because they have the quality and they changed it the way to build with three at the back instead of the four. And after the attack line will not make big difference for them on the ball, of course off the ball if you show the capacity to keep more the ball on ourselves and to be more brave and of course it will be tough for them. I think we did that with enough quality during the game uh, to create more problems to them.
2: Since 2016 only Arsenal have won more Premier League points in games where they've had a player sent off, 24 to City's 19. However they have had six more games in which they've been a player down for a period. You could see what the performance against Fulham meant to both Guardiola and the players with how they celebrated at full time. On Saturday, with one player less than their opposition for about an hour, it was their work ethic and their commitment to how the manager wants to play that earned the points.
0: Hi, I'm David James, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast.
1: Get involved with the debate on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast.
2: That was a look at uh, City under Guardiola with the coping with ten men. Um, Jack, I thought I, I was thinking, even though it was uh, we're getting late on in the game, and it was very much in the balance at the time at one one i was genuinely thinking this has been a fantastic performance and i don't really mind if city don't win it because the performance tells me a lot do you know what I mean? do you
3: know what i mean uh i do know what you mean um i think that's sort of easy to say after they've won the game it's very easy to say after they've won the game i'll give you that um i', I they played very well i thought i was really uh, it's gonna sound. Really awful, but it was like quite a pure performance, like pep, pure pet performance. Yeah, like you could see the plan, and uh, like players like Stones and Bernardo and and Rodri having to play in in two positions. Where well, I know, I know, obviously they have to play in different positions anyway, and it's all fluid. But it was so much more pronounced with ten men that you could actually—I don't know—it felt more forensic watching it. Yeah. Um, and it was like, yeah. Again, this can sound awful, uh, but like an education in how in how they play.
2: Mm. God, I feel
4: sick. I know. Like, <laughs> so do I. It was interesting what Pep said as well, though, because he the phrase he used were um, he says when you when you feel he was talking about you know going from one position to another and assuming one of those two roles that you're being asked to fulfil. And he said, when you feel it, like when he's putting himself in the position of say. A, a Gundogan or a Bernardo, when you feel it, do it. It's quite sort of Bruce Lee in a way. I <laughs> you know, don't think, feel. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that adding to what you were saying about the sort of purity of, of it, it was like, but it's so well drilled into them, how he wants them to behave. The sort of science has been absorbed. Uh, it like, it it's, like transforms into like art. That is really not uh, Ponzi, isn't it? So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but do you know what I mean? It just it flows out of them, doesn't it? Like what he's put in, it just like it's so natural that they're able to paper over the the gaps left by an extra man because it's just it's just. this is
2: really, really bad. <laughs> it will be into Martin Keown uh, paintbrushes for feet territory soon so let's not go that far um, let's just leave it at Bruce Lee yeah um, I was very impressed Jack with how um, I, I think previous City teams would have folded under uh, the moments that didn't go their way and you can, you can talk about a sense of injustice and, and how right or wrong it was that they felt that there was a sense of injustice in the game um, but you know, they have an offside goal. Immediately after that, Cancelo is sent off and they concede the equaliser. They then go and win it with the offside goal again. And then it's like, you, kind of you deal with that and then come back and, and win the penalty right at mm. the end. It's kind of like, I think of, I mean, even as Crystal Palace last season, they scored, they, they, they fought and fought and fought and scored. And then it was flagged offside. They got the equaliser that was flagged offside. And Palace go down the other end and score. You kind of feel like it's a it's a step forward from where they've been mentally in the past as well.
3: Yeah, I suppose there wouldn't have been that great sense of injustice if they would actually stood on side. Um, <laughs> oh, stop
2: being so <laughs> technically correct about it.
3: Um, <laughs> I yeah, I, without I, I don't want to be sort of doom and gloom on what was uh, a, clearly a massive win on Saturday, and um, you could see that at the end with the, with the sort of celebrations and the, and the lap of honor and things like that. But I don't know whether they react like that in a game in March, April, in a Champions League game, if they go down to ten men and have yeah. injustices, I don't think they I don't think they react like that. I don't think they went there's still there's still work to be done on reacting when it really, really matters, I think.
2: Yeah. I mean there there is also the argument that I mean Fulham are a good side, but they're not Bayern Munich and they're not Paris Saint Germain, you, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's um, there was sort of a a force of nature about City on Saturday, certainly in the last 15 minutes, um, where they just overpowered Fulham, um, who, despite being, um, you know, having a man advantage, would have been absolutely shattered by the end because they were chasing the ball all, all all afternoon. That that is not going to happen against the biggest teams in. In Europe, uh, so I, I'm not sure it's um, I'm not sure it's a case study for how we would expect them to to perform later in the in the season. But I mean, it, I completely agree with you that it, it is a marked improvement on other games of that ilk in previous seasons.
2: Yeah, Chris. They um, they ignored the crowd, which is a big part of this as well. Because like the number of times where they had the ball at the back and Akanji was knocking it to Stones, and they were knocking it between them and Bernardo and Rodri, and like kind of willing Fulham out and, and and kind of tempting them to try and try and steal it. The fans just wanted the ball away from City's goal, and they wanted City to attack and and, and get it forward. And Guardiola spoke about it afterwards, knowing about when to when to kind of release the the, the, the attack and when to pull the trigger sort of thing. Um, and I think it's like behind closed doors, when they had that season where there were no fans in, it's really easy to kind of just do what Guardiola wants. And mm. Like with 55,000 people going, no, get it forward, get it forward. It must be really difficult.
4: Yeah, I expect better of the crowd, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like there's nothing more annoying than a naive crowd. Or a crowd that shouts "shoot" every time the ball's within forty yards of the goal because some it's not it's not off. going in, it's not going in. Val. Well, do well, you yeah. know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> stop it. Um, yeah, I think it's valid. Uh, we, well, maybe you weren't critic, criticizing the crowd, but I am. Uh, I think, yeah, <laughs> they need to. But at the same time, it'd be you know you don't want everybody to just be sat there passive. Um, but it's quite difficult to enthusiastically roar uh, about. Keeping the ball and spreading it across the back one more time. Uh, people want to, people want a bit of action, but great example of um, City's mental strength and composure and ability to control the game under uh, not just pressure from the opposition but
2: our own fans. Yeah, never, never changes, does it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always been the way.
1: get a dollop of city nostalgia every Monday sign up at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast
2: Jack I want to talk a little bit about uh, John stones because we barely touched on him this season on the podcast um, but he's he's had a I thought it was another brilliant display against Fulham is he is he at the point where is this him reaching the potential that he's always shown or do you think there's there's possibly more to go even still?
3: I don't think it's about him reaching the potential that he's always shown because I think he's been an d- exceptional defender for City over the years. There have been at least a couple of the seasons where he's been the standout defender for me. I think pound for pound, he is still the best defender at the club in what he gives in all of the different departments. Just such um, a good footballer, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he's, he, his, his intelligence is massively underrated. Like His reading of the game is... is yeah, up there with the the very best. Um, I just found it. I just found it slightly funny and ironic that he's playing himself into form at right back as he goes to play for England, <laughs> <who's> <laughs> solely trading right backs. Yeah, um, yeah. But that is, is another. The way he's performed at right back this season has been another another string to his bow because he's he looks. He, you know, when they come inside, he just looks comfortable coming inside and knows exactly where he's supposed to be and
2: it's how he keeps popping up on the edge of the opposition box in yeah. that kind of tucked in role. And you go, That's a that's a centre half who's just popped in there and he's moving the ball <laughs> around quite comfortably. This is what I mean by footballer. It's like some defenders are
4: just defenders, aren't they? And some some footballers play in defence, some defenders are footballers.
2: I mean a defender that, does that make sense or is that garbage nonsense? No, it's oh, yeah. I, it's it's what it's um all penguins are birds, but not all birds are penguins. Exactly. Oh my and, God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And John
4: Stones is a flying penguin.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I've, I kind of feel like I've derailed that conversation a little bit, but here we are. Um, well, Chris, I mean, you've got, a, you've got a title for the show now. I've got so many coming out of my ears for, <laughs> from this so far. I've been, I have don't know what it's going to be yet. Um, how vital is it, Jack, that, uh, that Stone stays fit now? Because injuries always seem to hit him at exactly the wrong time.
3: No, no, I don't think it's vital. Uh, I think he'd relish... Uh, six months out. Yeah, it's a stupid up. question. In that, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm, it's a, just, I'm no, in it's, that sort of mood this morning. Sorry, it's, a,
2: it's fine. It's a, it's one of those football questions where uh, it's kind of like just talk about John Stones and his injuries. I haven't really got a question, but you know what I mean. You give him something to be churlish with, and he'll just attack it. <laughs> it's lazy. It's la- yeah. It's it's lazy presenting. I get it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, no, I think um, that's been one of the biggest disappointments of. Uh, of Pep's time actually. Uh at City is that the, the consistent injuries to, to Stones. He would love to be able to play Stones every single week and the way he talks about him, uh he's so effusive in his in his praise of him. He, he absolutely loves him. What was obviously um the guy that he wanted at center half when he first when he first joined. Um but equally Guardiola's been very honest about it and said I can't trust him with his with his fitness and it's just something that has blighted Stones for so long and I think once you get into that you get into a spiral with it don't you like I've suffered with knee injuries for the last sort of 15 years Um, and if you don't keep on top of it or obviously Stones will keep on top of it but the smallest thing can trigger another injury. And once you start getting those muscle injuries, it's really difficult to stop them. Um, so you
4: compensate, don't you? Like one side.
3: On yeah, another. exactly. And then, that, yeah. And then obviously that brings its its own problems on the, on, on the other side.
4: Hmm.
3: But I, I, there have, there have been times over the last few years where i I felt very sorry for him. Yeah. Because I, you just, there was a time, wasn't it, a couple of years ago, where he was he was getting back, he was finding his form, he was obviously the best defender at the club, and then he break down again. Yeah, and it's yeah. like are you back to square one. So you just hope that now he's he's on top of it and he can just stay fit because they are I, maybe loads of people would disagree with me, but I think they're a significantly better team when when he's when he's in it.
2: Yeah. Right. I think are it's right those
4: on. niggles as well, isn't it, in the back of your mind when you are fully fit? It's like a few weeks back when he sprinted about 30, 40 yards out of the right back position, funnily enough, um, up the right hand side and he pulled up for his hamstring. And you're like, oh no. And you just know that obviously he's going to get fit again, in inverted commas, rehabilitated. But the next time he's on the pitch and he sees a ball break, there's going to be something in you going, well, don't, I'm not. Oh, yeah. should, I, should i risk sprinting 40 yards for health. last, last time i did this yeah 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 and uh it's another knock-on effect so it's uh it's a it's a mental battle as well isn't it to um keep on top of managing your body and your mental state and your physical state in balance it's a tricky one but yeah we can only hope that uh he continues to to thrive
2: yeah, I've, uh, I've saved Jack Grealish to the end of the uh, review bit because um, I think it's it's been a mixed week because it was fair to say that I don't think Fulham was his best game. Uh, but against Chelsea, Jack, when I said Sky gave him man of the match, he went quite rightly so. Um, here's what Guardiola said. Me, I yeah. Thought. yeah, very, very. I mean, <laughs> great. I, I'd say great panelling on the podcast. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, here's what Guardiola said about his display after the game against Chelsea.
5: Today, the best step Jack has done is all the time when... He gets the ball wider or more inside and attack the back line, the back four from Chelsea, always his intention is pass the ball. And we spoke many times to him, no, no, the first intention is go to score a goal. It's always go there and he's not a real threat for the back four because his body language I'm going to pass the ball. And today the body language is I'm going to score a goal and after shoot or pass. And uh, today was three or four times he did it. And this is what we wanted. Today he didn't score, but I had the chances one day he'd do it. And I was exceptional again. So Jack is playing really, really, very really good.
1: The Blue Moon Podcast. If City won't let you down on the pitch, let us let you down off it instead.
2: Now, we can't judge him specifically on his numbers, but it's also fair to say that his numbers do need to improve, isn't it, Jack?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've been left... Uh, very confused about Grealish after last night and what Pep said because I was I've been banging the drum for months that saying he's been playing he's been playing well and they want him to sort of control the game and slow it down and make those little passes and create space and Pep's absolutely blown that out of the water (laughs) last night by saying we want him to run at the byline and score some goals.
4: Yeah, yeah, we've had words many times it's like that's not the narrative that you were given.
3: I know, it's like yeah, so I am a little bit confused by it. Um, but I mean, uh, he obviously wants him to do both, doesn't he? He wants him to control the game, but also wants him to um, to attack the goal. Um,
2: you know that moment in The Simpsons where they they have the focus group and they, they want outlandish cartoons that are more down to earth.
3: But uh, I suppose it's uh, I suppose it's about learning to pick his moments. So he wants him to do both, but he wants him to know when he goes. Yeah, and maybe that is what has been missing. Um, because I don't. I, I, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't good on Saturday, but I think by and large this season he has been playing well and he has contributed. Yeah, uh, and I turned to so I turned to someone on Wednesday night and just said, "This guy is never going to score ever again."
5: Like he did every <laughs> like
3: he did everything you could possibly want him to do on Wednesday. They still, you know, under goalkeepers making sprawling saves down to his right hand side, and, and defenders are blocking shots that look like they're going to go in, and things like that. I just, yeah, maybe once one goes in, the floodgates will open.
2: Yeah, the uh, the dominoes will fall like a house of cards. Checkmate. Um, sorry, that's a Futurama, <laughs> that's a Futurama <laughs> reference that I, I always here used to we go, come <laughs> on. I used, to, I used to quote Futurama to my uh, my flatmate at uni all the time, and that was just one of them. Um, I realise it makes no sense on the podcast, but I couldn't help myself. That's that. like something um, Kevin Keegan a, would bit say. Bit of additional needle here. Eh? This is yeah. good. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, Chris, to finish, he looked desperate to score, uh, and he probably deserved to as well.
4: Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh Did you Obviously, I think we've all seen that clip of um, that young lad who wrote a letter to him who has cerebral palsy. Yeah, seen it and Uh, cried, uh, mate. Yeah, yeah, same. It's like my my mate sent it to me and I was like, oh, yeah, cheers. I'm sat at my desk uh, uh, with tears rolling down my face. Thanks very much. Um, But, yeah, that was absolutely beautiful, really touching. But I think we could do with this lad getting on Jack's case uh, on a more regular basis, to be honest. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, he really looked like he was trying his heart out. Um, so any <laughs> any additional motivational uh, motivation, welcome. Yeah.
2: Right, so well, let's turn our attention to uh, City's final match before we break for the World Cup. It's Brentford at the Etihad in the early kickoff on Saturday, and they gave City a couple of tricky games last season. To find out how their fortunes are at the
0: moment, I've been speaking to Billy Grant from the Be Sorted podcast. You can argue that we're drawing the games that last season we would have lost. Um, but yeah, our, our season actually started really well. Because uh, obviously, and, and I think you'd agree with this as well. You know, it started out very early in the season, the first home game of the season we played Man United. We, we spanked them 4 uh, 0. And I'll repeat that again we spanked Man United 4 <laughs> 0. Yeah, it was a like, good, you know, good result, is, that one. <laughs> that was a really good result, actually. Um, probably slightly unexpected because, again, beginning of the season, Man United are coming to you, first game of the season. And again, you know, you've got no idea. You know, I mean, Man City is different for you. You've, yeah, every season you obviously got very clear idea of how you're going to get on but we had no idea how we're going to get on so to get them to come down first game of the season and literally within two minutes we were ahead and then we were just like literally roller rollercoasting them it was fantastic so I thought this is very nice I'm very happy with this Premier League <laughs> it seems to be going sparkling swimmingly well and we've had you know a few decent results after that got us sort of you know in the top half of the table I think we were sort of ninth or even eighth or something like that at some stage and you know sort of getting nosebleed time and then um Things haven't gone, I'd say, particularly to plan. They haven't been disastrous because, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people still see us as a, a, a probably a lower um, league side. We we realise that with our team, if you get key players out injured, it really does affect us. And we had. Even Pinnick was out injured for a, a period of time, and you know defensively we were letting in goals which we shouldn't have done. But we've actually had Christian Norgard, who is an absolutely massively key player for us. We we rolled the way that we play around him when we were in the championship, and then he went missing for a while, and we had to sort of readapt. You know, we had uh, a number of players out last season during the period that we had a really bad run where we didn't win a match. In fact, we lost every match for about two months, I think it was, and we had a number of key players, including David Raya and, and Christopher Ayer, out at that time. And we got, and you know, we got players out at the moment, including Christian Norgard. And you just don't realise how much of a difference it, it, it can be for a side like us. We've been eking out results, but getting the draws. But to be quite honest with you, as I said to you, there's draws we probably would have lost them. And then you know, last week we played Nottingham Forest. We were horrendous in the first half. You know, Forrest went ahead and then, second half, we, we rejigged our game, got back in the game. We were 2 1. And then, you know, the referee pulled out six minutes from the hat from some sort of magic hat that he had, you know, with some magical six minutes, which, to be honest with you, probably shouldn't have been there. And, you know, Forrest managed to somehow get a goal back in the 60th plus or 90th plus six minute. There are a lot of Brentford fans, I will tell you, and if you look online, who are very very nervous and who are even talking about things like Thomas Frank needs to go, you know, has his time run out? Has he taken us as far as he can get? You know, his decision making is this, that, and the other. You know, and I sort of think, oh, you've got short memories, boy. Yeah. When it when it comes to uh,
2: this weekend's game, then um, how how are you expecting Thomas Frank to, to set up? Because last season, um, I mean, last season the two games against Brentford for City, I mean, City won them both, but they were both they they had to fight for them both to win.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you know, there's an argument to say that, you know, I mean, it's interesting we played, we got knocked out of the cup by Gillingham, right, <laughs> a few days ago, right, and that didn't go down particularly well. And, and and the reason why is that, you know, listen, you can get knocked out by teams, you know, all the time and you just kind of get used to it. But Gillingham, we used to play Gillingham literally every year. Every, I mean, I've been to the Priestfield Stadium more than times and I've been to the paper shop down the road, you know what I'm saying? Like, literally, Gillingham is where we used to go, big rivals between ourselves because we were always, like, mid third division side you know we would be like 18th and there'll be 17th and you'd go there and listen you go and watch some terrible football and you know go to that rickety stand behind the goal and you jump up and down and you know so that's all of a sudden it's like we're the premier league side they've brought two and a half thousand fans because they're thinking oh my god we need to go to this premier league side brentford it was quite bizarre for us like you know because things have just changed really massively then we played for, for some reason we decided to play football like we were Man City or Real Madrid or, or whoever it is. Like, like we're trying to string like. No, I I'll have to look at the pass count for that game. But you know, we were like literally just passing the ball. We had seventy-two percent possession at one stage, right in that game, and we were passing the ball around like we used to do in the Championship, where we used to pass the ball around around the back, around the middle, back forwards, back a little bit more to the back, back to the keeper, back again. Uh, but there's no penetration. So, like, you know, so we had loads of procession, but we weren't doing anything of it. We went ahead in the game, but there's a little touch of arrogance we were saying with us thinking, ah, yeah, it's chilling them like, we'll just pass them to death. We weren't we actually going to kill them off, we'll just pass them to death. So, we were playing that type of football and we were thinking, are we doing this in kind of like, because we're playing Manchester City on Saturday and we're going to be sort of trying to match their passing? Because if you're trying to match Manchester City for passing, you're going to get absolutely slaughtered. Because the way that Thomas Frank did it last season, he was clever in the fact that he said, right, This is a passing, we can match this team, so we'll go like passing-wise and we'll do that in this game. However, this team is really good at doing that, so what we're going to do is we're going to go direct. So like Arsenal last season, we went direct, targeted their their full-backs, and we were really clever in doing that. And, And it was a completely different game, and I think with Manchester City, I think we kind of mix and match it. So... I'll be very surprised if he's decided that he wants to go full on flipping, you know, sort of kind of sort of, um, you know, ticky tacky kind of football stuff. Because if he does, we're going to get absolutely hammered like, you know, on Saturday. So uh, you're asking how is he going to set up? Um, the one thing I know that he is going to set up is that Christian Norgard came on for 30 minutes. Oh, no, he came for a half against Gillingham. And that was probably the best thing about that home game because we did get knocked out by penalties. So I think, you know, just him back in the side will make a bit of a difference. And I'll be very surprised if we if we go ticky-tacky. I, I would like to think that we'll mix it. Mix the as we do. We'll, we'll, we'll be strong. We'll be trying to get the balls up. To Ivan Tony for the knockdowns and the knock-ons and you know playing and hitting you on the break and all the kind of stuff that we normally do which we're really great at doing and hopefully we won't hit the crossbar like Brian and Bumo did about nine times last season. We seem to be very good at the crossbar challenge at Brentford and I'm hoping there'll be no crossbar challenge going on at City on Saturday.
2: Yeah, um, you've mentioned Christian Norgard uh, a couple of times in uh, your answers already. Um, who are the players that are, that are going to be key for you this weekend? If you're
0: going to uh, if you're going to get anything out of the game at the Etihad, Ivan Tony. And, and, and that sounds a bit, of a, a bit of a cliche, but he really is a key player. And if he plays his game, you know, of course he can score goals, but also he's all over the pitch. We don't want him to be all over the pitch. We want him to be in one particular area, and putting the balls in the back of the net. But he really does help in defence. He does help on the wing. He does help drop back deep. You know, he does lots of things. So he's a key player. I'd say Brian and Boomer, because Brian and, Brian and Tony together, though, you know, because we, we've talked about fans, because Brian has not probably delivered what he should deliver. But then when he's missing, you really do miss him. And the two of them together, I mean, he's so fast and he's a really skillful player, but I don't know if he's lacking a little bit of confidence or what. And also Jensen. Now, Jensen's an interesting player. I don't don't know if he went off injured on Saturday or if it's a tactical reason why he went off, but um, Jensen's a player who used to get a lot of grief from the Brentford uh, section of the Brentford fans because they just didn't think he was good enough. Um, And then he kind of went away. And I think his his moment came when uh, Christian, the other Christian, Christian Eriksen, came to Brentford last season. And Christian Eriksen came to Brentford last season at a time when all our injured players start to come back. So he added to that side. So he added to the good team that we had and actually just made them even better. And the one thing we know is that with him and um, Jensen in the side, he made Jensen a better player. And I think he also made Jensen realise the type of game that he had to play. So he's been playing, so he has been playing some really good football. And he's got that type of player that if you miss him, if he's out the side, you actually miss him. If he has a good game, we call him, you know, we say, is good Jensen going to turn up or bad Jensen going to turn up on Saturday? And and sometimes bad Jensen turns up and it's quite bad and then he goes off. And so I think for us to have a good game, good Jensen needs to be there on Saturday against Man City because um, he's a very good player on yeah. a good Jensen day. Yeah.
2: And uh, just finally, Billy, um, let's have, uh, we've got a charity back coming up a bit later on. So let's have a score prediction for this game. What are you going to go for? Oh,
0: God, this is... Uh, right, OK, hold on a second, I've got, I've got a bag. I've got to pick some numbers out of the bag, shall I? <laughs> um, I haven't bet against my team this season. I'm going to go for a draw against Man City, which I think will be a tremendous result, and I'm going to go one all.
1: If you enjoy the show, please give it a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So Billy Grant from Besotted there, um, Jack. Not, you know, Guardiola normally talks about rhythm and keeping players fresh, um, but this feels like a little bit like the final day of the season. It's like the end of term, kind of to hell with the consequences. Rotation's not really an issue, is it?
3: No, they're sticking shack on.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll bring our toys <laughs> to the ground on the uh, on the final <laughs> day. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, Harlan can bring all those match balls for everyone to see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you just go best eleven, wouldn't you? I think. Um, which you would assume that Foden comes back in. Um, I'd like to, see, I'd like to see Grealish left, Foden right, Haaland through the middle. Yeah, yeah. Um, if they were to play four three three, because um, I think those three together are the the best trio from what I've seen this season. I think they've looked, um, they've look, they've looked really potent as a as a three. And then yeah, I think you just you just go with. Uh, a bit of Harland
2: and Alvarez. I was going to say that that like if you play that as a front three, um, it feels really
3: harsh on Alvarez because
2: he's been playing well.
3: Uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. But then, who do you drop in midfield if you were going to play Haaland and Alvarez?
2: Well, I don't have to make these decisions, so it's. Uh... Mm.
4: And <laughs> Alvarez does that much running you made me stick it but yeah you, and anyway I think I've just uh, I just hijacked your um, formation prediction so it was a sort of after meandering the
3: answer that wasn't really going anywhere to oh, be honest well <laughs> <So, much lighter
2: laughs> oh, you're, you're in the right place yeah <laughs> yeah we specialise in that here. you're fine <laughs> um Chris Haaland, uh, we know quite famously, isn't at the World Cup, um, so mm. like it's it's surely a case of either a full ninety or uh, stay on the pitch as long as it takes for City to to get the win. If it's you know if the five nil on seventy, you might take him off at that point, but
4: yeah, send him to the tundra to build cabins out of trees that he's felled with his own forehead. <laughs> but yeah, whatever, get him on, get him off, as long as we get a good run out and um, absolutely batter Brentford. Uh, all, all fine by me I don't want to I, I don't know I, who who else is going to the World Cup I don't know uh, I've not studied the World Cup that much in terms of how it affects our players I've just had it as this sort of niggling thing looming on the calendar that doesn't really sit well
2: with me yeah. but who pretty, pretty much all of them apart from Haaland and Mares, really and well, Sergio Gomez come on <laughs> oh, fair yeah. enough
4: what would you do with Maras for this game? I mean, it's benching it really. Yeah, yeah,
3: I would. Um, as I said, you just go with Brentford. Brentford, are the sort of team that he'll um, Guardiola probably give a lot of respect to. I mm. uh, maybe big scoring coming. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go on Friday, and he'll say they are the best team you will see. <laughs> this and then wallop them 8 <laughs> and then they'll go they were fantastic you do not know how good they were <laughs> <laughs> which kind of reflects well on us <laughs> so yeah I, I think it'll go on I'll give you I'll give you a team I think it'd be Edison, Stones Diaz Ake Cancelo Rodri De Bruyne Silver. Foden Grealish, Haaland. Yeah. I would go.
2: Yeah. The uh, the centre backs is um is kind of the only issue, I guess, because um you know there's uh, there's there's just so many options at the moment. And I mean Laporte came off um against Chelsea, not really sure whether on his fitness or not,
3: but uh, but the others on yeah, team in good condition.
2: Knock on his ankle, didn't he?
3: Yeah. Um Well that's a similar yeah. thing to what we were saying about Stones, wasn't it? It's just Laporte seems to get these little mm. niggles quite a lot yeah
2: how about Harlan, jack is his it's his kind of ankle is it uh do we, do we know if he's feeling any better i mean I think they're, yeah i think
3: they're managing it um i don't think they're unduly worried about it and realize obviously that he's gonna have a bit of time off uh and he's gonna go away and have a get a bit of in it um i just i i hope he starts comes off at 70 minutes having scored a hat-trick and then someone just nonchalantly throws a cow's liver at him and goes Get that down, your son. <laughs> <laughs> Leaps into the air and catches it in his mouth. Uh, swallows
2: but, it in one I,
4: go. Yeah, I think he'll. Um, I'd like to see him do it with a fish, a spiny fish, and uh, and just toss pull it around, <laughs> and pull toss the it around, the out. Out. spines the right way around. <laughs> pull it, or like uh, like the predator and hang the spinal cord up on a on a coat pack. <laughs> but um, I think I think Harlan's slight transgression, isn't it? Um, I think Holland might start on the bench because there is a slight concern over his foot. Alvarez has played so well. Um, I'd, 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 I'd like to see that, actually, because Alvarez is my boy.
2: Yeah. Um. Just elsewhere Um. for this one, Chris, as well. Arsenal travelling to Wolves. You'd expect them to win that. Um. You'd expect City to be going into, into the World Cup in second in the table. How, how do you think they'll be feeling about that, given where the team is and where they are and how they're playing at the moment? I think they'd be hungry to play
4: Arsenal and I think the results against Arsenal are probably going to prove pivotal into whether we win the league or not because they're looking very strong. Um, Questions remain over the depth if they get a few injuries to key players. But uh, yeah, they've basically modelling City aren't they in terms of uh, the way they've been so successful yeah
2: Jack are you, uh, are you thinking Arsenal as the main challenger at this point I mean it's it's hard to say because it feels like halfway through the season but it is only 13 games
3: mm. yeah I th- uh, yeah I think they are um, I th- also think City have had a little bit of a touch with that Arsenal game at the Emirates getting um, put back because of the Europa League um, so they'll play them later in the, later in the season when maybe arsenal will tail off a little bit which yeah. is what this is It's a strange sort of talking about the title race is a bit strange isn't it because everybody is expecting arsenal to implode and like everyone's sort of tentatively saying yeah arsenal like could win it like they could push him but at the moment i don't think anyone really outside of the arsenal's fan base i don't think anyone really believes that they'll they'll go all the way in a 38-game season. They 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 always do fall off, don't they? Yeah, that's the thing. I think everyone's just expecting it. But they never looked quite this
4: good before they'd done that in the past.
3: Yeah, and in terms of City finishing the first sort of segment of the season in second, they couldn't have really done much more. I think if Arsenal win at the weekend, they've only dropped five points. So, you know, what can you do if, if the team top of the league has only dropped five points in the first 14-15 games or whatever it is then Mm. you just go well fine we'll we'll catch it we'll
2: try and catch Mm. it up later yeah that's what I mean you have to beat them yeah uh, predictions time then we're raising money for the Man City fans food bank support group on the podcast with each of us getting a 10 pound correct score single from William Hill the winnings help the Trussell Trust fight food poverty in Manchester and the group will be outside the Etihad again ahead of the Brentford game they're collecting donations of food and money so please head on over with something if you can they'll be under the bridge near Asda from about 10 o'clock until midday ahead of the game uh, so far this season we've raised £305 on the charity bet so let's see if we can't add to that before we break for the World Cup Uh um, um, Jack, what are you having for uh, for City against Brentford?
3: I'm having 3-1. Three, 3-1 one.
2: Three, one is... Not sure why. Uh, well, it's 10-1, to one, so uh, 100 quid if you're right. Chris? Brentford, I'm going to...
4: I'll raise you, Jack. I'm going to go 4-1. This, of course, is very much Cancelo uh, dependent. He absolutely ruined my 6-2... Um,
2: Against Fulham by getting sent off
4: after about 15 minutes but
2: anyway. he did he did uh, but if you four ones right against Brentford it's 14-1 uh, to 1 and 140 quid uh, we heard earlier on that Billy went for 1-all and that's 16-1 to 1 and 160 pounds remember you've got to be 18 or over to gamble prices can change and for information about gambling responsibly take a look at Uh get your questions in for the uh, post-Brentford podcast it'll be our last one uh, before the World Cup uh, you can do that on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast you can email us as well through the website bluemoonpodcast.com go there and uh, fill in the form um, and this week uh, Paul's been in touch on Twitter to say will the new set pieces coach mean that City might score from a corner at some point soon um, Chris it always feels like uh, City are not threatening from corners um, but I wonder actually if they're just not in general just not that dangerous what corners yeah I mean they're certainly not when City are taking them but well yeah
4: in answer to put as a direct answer to Paul's question will it mean we might score from a corner no because we're rubbish at them. We've got the best player in the world taking them and he's rubbish at them. I mean, if De Bruyne can't um, swing a decent corner in, then no, we've got absolutely no chance is the somewhat flippant response. I don't know what the answer <laughs> is. Like, I just don't get it. I don't get it. We've got a lot of tall players who are good at heading the ball. We've got people who can accurately clip a dead ball pretty much where they want it. Yet the fact remains, we look pretty uh, flat on them. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't, I don't understand it.
3: I don't want to. I don't want to be this guy. But we're but, really good at corners. <laughs> uh, last season, I'm just really. I've just very quickly got got up something that I did in April after the Leeds game. City's 18 goals from dead balls, excluding penalties, is the most of any top-flight team this season and the club's highest since 2013-14.
4: Is, of which corners are, numbering how many?
3: <laughs> they have conceded from set-piece just once this season.
4: That's
2: <laughs> Again, better
3: than the rest. Are you answering
2: questions that haven't been asked?
3: <laughs> I'm just saying, just saying, that was last season.
2: Is that, can I, just on the data though, Jack, was it, was it weighted? So was it on proportion of corners as well, or proportion of set pieces, or was it just flat numbers? Because obviously City might have more set pieces than other teams.
3: Oh, okay. Uh, Another valid
2: question. Yeah,
3: seems seems like a question for a Duncan Alexander or something, Not, not me, but...
2: Well, it's so no, many questions as, that have gone unanswered if, today already. As, and as, if, as if
3: I would, like, drill down in the stats properly. I, mean, well, <laughs> I said they scored 18 times, what more do you want?
2: Yeah, all right, fair. Or right. whether it was corners <laughs> or not. I mean,
4: the, the tide is in your court. Uh,
3: <laughs> the point of that uh, stuff that I did from last season was that um, they were all, like, Sort of praising uh, Carlos Vicens because he'd taken over the set pieces after uh, Nico Jova had gone to Arsenal with Arteta. Uh, so Vicens is still doing the set pieces. So the guy they got from Brentford uh, is like a, an, anal- a, a, an analyst, uh, which seems like a really niche job, doesn't it? Yeah. Set piece, yeah. like an, analyzing set pieces as your. Nine to it just,
2: five. it seems really dull, doesn't it? I mean, can you imagine going in like, and, and, like, oh, what, what's your Wednesday gonna like? Oh, I'm just looking at more set pieces. <laughs> what's like...
4: your morning like? What about after lunch? Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I've got, I've got a meeting. Uh, oh, who with? Oh, just you know, um, just talking set pieces. That's all. It is. Yeah, these
3: three mannequins next to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: God, it sounds awful. Um, finally for this week then, Jonathan Beals on Twitter says, uh, I kind of get doing the light show for Champions League games, but something doesn't seem right about doing it before a Carabao Cup third round match. The Carabao Cup should be like the special effects in Doctor Who. You should have to use your imagination a bit. Um, I wasn't there uh, for the for the light show ahead of uh, the Chelsea game. Um, I, I don't know if you were, Chris. Jack, uh, were you there as well? Did you, did I you definitely played? was, yeah. What, what was it
3: like? Oh, what was it like... <laughs> <laughs> already you're painting a picture i'll be able to i'll be able to tell people that i was there that night yeah you already have um, on the night that not only so they had a, a a suspended blue moon in the center circle which was lit up which was very nice uh and if you didn't know how many how many games? Hey, eh? sorry, that was
4: a poor joke. I
3: was suspended, sorry, sorry, sorry whoever came up with it deserves a three match violent <laughs> conduct. um so it, the the moon was suspended and lit up and fine, but if you were if you were unaware of what this spherical object was, <laughs> there was also another one beamed up on the screen just so you knew what it was, which Two I thought moons. was amazing. <laughs> Wow. Just, I, I I'd like taking a piss. I'd like it, it's, it's good for for people that that want to watch that. And clearly, there are people that that, uh, that do want to see that. Which is, you know, it, it's it's good, isn't it? It's, they're trying to <laughs> yeah make it a better. Yeah, they're trying yeah. to make it a better experience for people that are trying to sort of galvanise support amongst because they want to make the ground bigger and they want to sell more tickets. And that's just the way football is. Yeah. But in terms of the question, I mean the Doctor Who
4: effects. I, w- I wasn't at the game; I had um, childcare commitments. But if I was under the impression that maybe the team were going to be chased onto the pitch by people <laughs> people dressed as like giant paper mache
3: ants or, <laughs> or
4: something along those lines,
3: and I might pay my money for that. Yeah, yeah, money. Man United normally turn up turn up with a few Daleks. To be fair, don't they? So. <laughs>
2: Oh dear, I've uh, I've completely lost control of this show, but it's been great fun. Um, that's it for this week's Blue Moon podcast. Uh, thank you very much to my guests, Chris Higginbottom. Thank you very much for having me once again, and Jack Gorn. Thank you and sorry for the last hour. No, it's been it's <laughs> yeah. been great fun. It's going to be a heavy edit that. No, we'll, uh, we're we're going to find out what this show looks like in a, in a couple of hours' time. Uh, <laughs> Not enough giant ant imagery on this on this <laughs> podcast, I think. Yeah, well, we certainly corrected that today. Um, next week's show will be online a little bit earlier in the week, so you won't have to wait until next Thursday or Friday. Keep your eyes peeled to your podcast app for that one uh, around about Monday. We'll be looking over this weekend's game with Brentford. See you then. That was
5: the
1: Blue Moon Podcast. Please give the show a rating and a review where you can, and don't forget, you can listen without the ads by signing up to our Patreon. You'll also get an extra episode each Monday. Here's a clip of this week's.
3: It's mad, isn't it, that um, people want City like kicked out of the Champions League because the entertainment and the, the memorable matches that City bring. <laughs> um, it's just like you—you you,
2: you don't get it anywhere else. I know. Um, I mean, no, it's not like they've—it's not like they win it every year. So that like oh will get yeah. ri- get rid of them. they they're they're what? What's the phrase? They're financially doping. Get rid of them because they yeah. always
3: win it. It's like we we literally yeah. have never won it, and we provide you with this entertainment. I know, and we always lose in the maddest way possible. It's It's the finest of margins that get it kicked out of the Champions League. But, I mean, what a match. I really wish it was there for the for the home leg anyway. It sounded... Uh, uh, well, I watched it at home, obviously. It was amazing. Uh, Falcao's goal, that sort of lofted chip, one of the best goals I've seen scored against City. So, um, always very memorable. I mean, what a squad. They had, like, the absolute list of... Um, of mental brilliant players that Monaco had, and they were just basically picked off the next season, weren't they? Like, um, City had something to do with that as well with, uh, with Bernardo and, and the other one. Like,
1: You can listen to more of that at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. And join us again next time for another episode.